Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Fine, good morning. <laughs> my name is Cameron. My accent is super corrupted. So I'm from New York, went to Ohio State, went to Scotland for 13 years, did another year in Ohio, two years in Katy. So any word can come out. Um, they should be mostly clean. In some country that I've lived, it's a clean word. So if you're offended by a word, I say, I promise you, it's not a dirty word somewhere I lived. <clears throat> That's a caveat. I don't intend to say bad words, but it's just, it's possible that a Scottish word would come out that you all think is weird. <clears throat> I want to just, I guess the first thing, I, wanna, I just want to commend your leaders to you. I'm allowed to do that. Um, it's weird if your leader gets up and commends himself to you. So I, I want to do that. <clears throat> we, we live stream um, at the moment regularly your services at home. Um, I don't dress like this when I'm watching on TV, I promise. But your preaching in here is like ridiculously, ridiculously good. Ridiculously God-honoring, super Jesus-focused um, and, and I would say I've noticed, um, and you know, Marco's done a lot of the preaching of late, and I would say that guy is putting uh, time in with the Lord for sure. So I just, I just want to commend you that I, he didn't tell me to say that. Uh, he's probably embarrassed now. Um, he did pick a bald guy to replace him, so you might not notice as clearly that, you know, somebody here with hair, it would be more obvious. But it's just good preaching in this place. And uh, that's not the whole thing of a church, but it's, it certainly helps build up the church. So today, <clears throat> we're going to go to Matthew 6, and we're going to start in Matthew 6, and then we're going to journey, and I, I, I don't know, if you, you guys know A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, familiar with that story? <clears throat> you get the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas future, and I, the present I'm not super worried about, but we're going to do a little of that. We're going to use the Bible, and we're going to go back, we're going to go forward, we're going to land in the middle, and I think that God is going to use that to show us how we ought to do our lives in this current age. Is that cool? Yeah. Matthew 6. <clears throat> I'm old school. I, I like to read straight from the book, so I'm going to do that. There's a lot of reading this morning. I apologize for that, but let's go for it. So it says here, <clears throat> verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field Grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day <clears throat> has enough trouble of its own. We're going we're gonna to pray. I, I'm going to get my phone as a timer just so there's a chance that we're not here for six and a half years. <clears throat> Marco did say up to three hours, so we'll see how we... <clears throat> no, I, will, I will say no one actually gave me a time limit, but I, uh, I've been around the block long enough to know that I don't want to see people pop out of their chair asleep. So, so let's, <clears throat> let's start with prayer. That's the best place to start. Um, and we just say, Father, we, <laughs> we thank you that we have your word. We don't have to guess what you're like. We don't have to guess what you say. We don't have to guess what you mean all the time, Lord, because, because you've, you've just given us this as a record to just hold us fast as a plumb line. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. It's alive, active. Lord, you're here and you're making your word alive to us. <laughs> we pray for your power to bring this word to life in us, Lord, that it, it has the impact that you desire. Lord, let us, let us finish this time more in love with you, more in awe of you, and uh, ready to do life more like the way you want us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so this, this passage, it comes from what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't get up and say, I'm about to give you the Sermon on the Mount. He just went up on a mountainside. He said he saw the crowds. He grabbed his disciples, <clears throat> and he went up on the mountainside. So, so he is especially speaking to the people who were following him. And it's in light of seeing the crowds. And you know, when Jesus saw crowds, it often in the Gospels it says that he saw them, they were like harassed. They were like those without a shepherd. He had compassion on crowds and he would minister to them. And, and as I read this passage, I see the word worry six, seven, eight times. I see him refer to moths and rust destroying things. I see him referring to thieves stealing. He refers to the pagans. He says they're running after things. They're chasing. They're wearing themselves out doing life. He says tomorrow is going to have trouble. That's the context that Jesus brings this, this teaching to the disciples. I think that context still exists today. He's, he's not wanting us <laughs> to be worn out with worry. He's not wanting us to be worn out we're chasing after things. He's not wanting us to be worn out because we encounter troubles every day. Jesus is wanting us to live steadfast day by day, knowing who we are in him, knowing how much he treasures us, how much he values us, knowing that provision will be there, knowing that our future in Jesus is certain. That's the context for this passage, but I, I want to go back and I want to go forward because I want to bring some color to what Jesus is saying. And it, to me, it's kind of summarized in this, this passage at the end, which I guess it's there. That's fine. That's the title. Seek first his kingdom. I, I, I'm annoyed at myself. I kept remembering seek first the kingdom is how I remember the verse. I was really super annoyed with that <laughs> because the Bible says seek first his kingdom. It's not some random erythral thing. It's not some just thought in the sky. It's not some spiritual. It's, it's Jesus's kingdom. Seek first Jesus's kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. 
the one that's given to you freely because of his perfection, the one that you can live into because of his empowering. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other nonsense of life will find its right place. And I think it's nice that the gospel is not do everything right and God might rescue you. <laughs> the gospel is not follow me through the desert for 80 years, and if you just barely make it, heaven will be okay. The gospel is just cling to me and watch what I do in your life. Watch what happens. Watch the high moments. Sometimes, listen, guys, the Christian life is mundane day after day oftentimes. It's like a road trip. Anybody been on a road trip? Everybody did 2020 road trips, right? <laughs> we did 2020 road trip, and then we did 2021 road trip. It was, it's whew, 18 hours in a car, 23 hours in a car, straight the one time, just straight 23, boom. <laughs> right through the night. I just, the Lord is good. 22 and a half of those hours, there's nothing to look at, and you're just staying the course. You're keeping the fuel in the car. You make sure the car is healthy. You're looking and monitoring the dashboard. You're staying awake by the absolute grace of God, coffee, tea, <coughs> Diet Coke, and M&Ms. <coughs> you're staying fed. But there's, there's these, like, moments, aren't there? There's these moments where you drive through a city or you stop and you look at something. And a Christian walk is often like that. Who's, we've been in these meetings where, like, been in meetings where, like, 50 people are healed in the same meeting. You know, you go, you go home the next day, you still stay the course with Jesus. We're not going to live in those moments all the time. And Jesus saying day by day by day by day, there's an attitude of our heart to just say, Jesus, you're first. Jesus, you're first. That's what we're saying. <clears throat> we better go back. We're five minutes in. We're going back. We're going back to Second uh, Chronicles and 9. And you guys, you guys did a a Genesis series, so it's great. So I can just, I can just launch off <clears throat> your Genesis series. And it was a guy called Abram who was renamed Abraham, father to father of many. And there's this amazing promise to Abraham. You can have these descendants. They're going to be more than the stars in the sky and more than the sand on the seashores. And, and you're going to possess all this land. I mean, God takes him to the top of the hill and just says, look around. There's nothing you can see with your eyes that won't be yours. <clears throat> this amazing inheritance, this amazing promised land. And then 400 and something years go by and they're slaves in Israel. <clears throat> and then Moses comes and God has the promise and he winds the promise through Moses and Moses takes him out and Egypt is crushed and the Pharaoh is crushed and they sink in the, the sea when all the, the Israelites, they come through and God rescues him through the water and they keep looking back to that amazing moment and then <clears throat> they get stuck for 40 years wandering around in the desert. And then two men, one old, one middle-aged, I guess. Caleb, wasn't, Caleb was much older than Joshua, I reckon, but <clears throat> they are the only ones who get to go through. And, and Joshua leads them into the promised land, and they cross the waters again. They go across the Jordan and the flood, and they get into the promised land, and then they get stuck for more generations trying to live into what God had promised. <laughs> and there's just like, renewal and God does some stuff and then there's like Gideon remember Gideon everybody remembers Gideon and he like beat an entire army with like bottles and torches and breaking glass with 300 people and they were drinking water out you guys all remember that <laughs> and then nothing comes of Israel after that it's like it's useless again for another several years but 
they all want a king. They all want to be like all the other nations, right? They're like not having any success. And do you remember Marco said that there was the Tower of Babel and they were all building their way up to God and then God dispersed them and they all just went into different places and went on that same journey of building their way up to glory, <laughs> building their own temples, building their own towers for glory. And Israel's like, where is our glory? Where's our tower? Where, where is this great thing we're going to have? <clears throat> And they get a king, they get Saul, and then they get David who comes after Saul. And David's the runt of the litter. David's got red cheeks. That's what ruddy means. I never knew that. I had to look that one time. Ruddy just means red cheeks. Handsome with red cheeks. Whatever. <clears throat> totally not like me, I guess. I don't have red cheeks. <clears throat> and the kingdom kind of, he cruises, out, he, he clears out, and he gets some peace, right? And then he has a son. And he has this son Solomon through ridiculous circumstances that are all wrong, but that's how God works. And he redeems the worst part of David's life. And Solomon comes. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you that Solomon's kingdom was the high watermark for Israel. Never got any better than that. And we're going to read this little passage just about how amazing it was when this promise to Abraham was fulfilled in the earthly sense. Just how incredible this is, yeah? So let's read it. And uh, verse, verse 13, it says, the weight of gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. Don't, I don't know that we need to read that into Revelation. Don't get excited about that. <clears throat> My Bible just tells me it's 23 tons. Uh, it doesn't say 10 carat, 19 carat, 20 carat, 24. Uh, that's a lot of gold. Not including the revenues brought in by the merchants and the traders. Also, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 beakers of hammered gold went into each shield. So he made uh, 200 seven and a half pound shields is what my old school NIV is telling me. And it says he also made 300 small shields of hammered gold with 300 beakers of gold in each shield. And the king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. So it was prominent and visible to everyone. The king made a great throne inlaid with ivory, overlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold was attached to it. On both sides of the seat were armrests with a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lions stood on the six steps, one on either end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold, and the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver, because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's day. That's nonsense. The king had a fleet of trading ships managed by Hiram's men. Once every three years it returned, carrying gold, silver, ivory, and apes and baboons. I mean, the guy had a zoo, like it's like Zamunda. I mean, it's, it's mental. It's, it's <coughs> don't watch that movie if you've not. It's not all appropriate. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth saw audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold and robes and weapons and spice and horses and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls, four horses and chariots, 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities, also with him in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings of the river, 
that I think is the Euphrates, to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. That's a weed they didn't let grow in the cities. <coughs> Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from all other countries. Just to recap, they're stupid wealthy. <coughs> They've got the smartest king ever. And, and actually, it's interesting because Solomon's story is that he sought first the kingdom of God. Right? He said, God, I can't. How the, you have such a plan for Israel. They're so precious to you. How can I as a boy rule over these people? God, you've got to give me wisdom. It started well, didn't it? And then God did the everything else. <clears throat> it's kind of a nice little picture of the promise God has for us is that there isn't everything else that is amazing. But they have a king who li like, literally the nations are wanting to go <clears throat> to Jerusalem to get wisdom and to get an audience with their king. They've made it on the global scale. They've got peace from all of their enemies. They've got power because they've got now a military and they've got horses and horsemen and chariots. He's got absolutely made in the shade. And on top of that, they have religion. They actually have tablets in a temple that God through angels wrote on and inscribed on inside an ark where God by his actual literal presence comes down between the cherubim and dwells. What they call it Shekinah glory. They have more than what the nations have. They have religion. They've got the priesthood. Now remember David sorted the priesthood, right? They have worship day and night in the temple. Everything is going well for Israel. They are now in the fullness of the promises of God. But it's on absolutely shaky foundation. <clears throat> Do you know why? Because it's based on their ability to stay true to God. This inheritance lasts only as long as they can be faithful to God. <clears throat> and their wealth could go in a vapor. It's just instant. Wealth disappears. Their unity lasts only as long as God is gluing it together if they're faithful. How long do you think that lasts? Should we go over one page? Let's turn one page in your Bible. Just to hammer home to you how unproven, how unstable those foundations are for our life. Let's just go one page. <clears throat> we no longer have Israel, by the way, now that we read this. We now have two kingdoms. So we, we've gone one page, and we have Israel and we have Judah. And Israel's gone. The, the, the hope for Israel has already left. And the reason <clears throat> the hope for Israel, the northern kingdom is left, is because they abandoned the temple altogether. Because their king was more worried about his power than worshiping God, and he told his people they weren't allowed to go to the temple. So it's gone. I, I'm, read the next. Go ahead and read the rest of Chronicles. Don't take my word for it, but it, the writing is on the wall there. It's, it's over for them. And when Ezekiel comes, he does weird stuff. I'm in Ezekiel, and there's these weird prophetic words in Ezekiel, and he has to, like, lay on his side 
for eternity and then he said go to the other side <laughs> at least when he's like punishing when he's being punished and laying on a side for Judah at least it's not as long but it was it was like hundreds of days for Israel because from that very moment it was useless because they abandoned God in an instant <clears throat> but anyways let's let's go so I just this is an uplifting message so let's keep it going while we have a chance <clears throat> it's best not to dwell on the bad news eh? so here we go second chronicles 12 uh I'm just gonna read for a bit it says after Rehoboam, I don't care how you pronounce it, that's what we're doing today, position as king was established and he had become strong. He and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. Gone. One generation, gone. Because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam. With 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen, the innumerable troops of Libyans, Sukites, Cushites, they came with him from Egypt. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then the prophet Shemaiah came to Rehoboam and to the leaders of Judah who had assembled in Jerusalem for fear of Shishak. And he said to them, this is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me. Therefore, I will now abandon you to Shishak. Now the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, the Lord is just. And when the Lord saw they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. Since you've humbled yourselves, I will not destroy them but will soon give them deliverance. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. They will, however, become subject to him, so that they may learn the difference between serving me and serving the kings of other lands. When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple and the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including the gold shields that Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went <laughs> to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him, bearing the shields, and afterwards they returned to them to the guard room. And I just find that picture kind of funny. It's like they literally, they went from gold to bronze in like five years. I mean, it's like <clears throat> nothing. And it's just, we say seek first the kingdom, his kingdom. Seek first <clears throat> his righteousness. Don't be like the pagans who run after this and that. And these guys are giving us a beautiful picture of being set up with everything the world could possibly offer and it having no future. There's no peace in it. I mean, it was like five years later and an army shows up way bigger than any army they could ever assemble. And I tell you, if your future is based on man's power, it will never be enough. Man's power does not solve the problems that this world throws at you. If your unity is based on man's ability to get along with each other or reason with each other or debate with each other, it will never be enough. If your future is based on the earnestness of your religion and your faithfulness to God, it will never be enough. Please take <laughs> this picture and remind yourself that it is by the grace of Jesus, it is by his faithfulness alone that we stand. Amen? That's the ghost of Christmas past. So we do, <laughs> we'll do the future. The future is a little better. Let's do the ghost of Christmas future. And I'm going to just fast forward all the way to the end, right? It's a little easier to do that. And we're just going to read a little bit about a city that will endure. An inheritance that cannot fail. <laughs> Is that cool? Could we just remind ourselves about that one? So let's just do this. 
Revelation and 21. And, and I, I'm just going to read for a while. I'm actually doing okay time-wise. Ish. <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll speed read ish, but it's super good. But you can always go back over these passages if I read them really fast. So here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. Be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There will be no more nations that just come and go and come and go. Every single nation will fall because there's only one government that goes on bigger and better forever and ever, and that is Jesus. It says, He who was sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. <clears throat> I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts and idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. There is still a reality to missing out. But it's not our faithfulness. It's just clinging to Jesus. <laughs> Overcoming is nothing more than clinging to Jesus, holding on to Jesus. He's already won. It's just about being on his team. It's not about being on his team super well, being the best on his team. It's about just simply being on his team. And if you're not on Jesus' team, heaven's not your place, as we're about to read out. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the, the bride, the wife of the lamb. That's Jesus. And he carried me away to the spirit, in the spirit, to the mountain, great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper as clear as crystal. It had great high walls with 12 gates and the 12 angels of the gates. And the gates were written in the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there were three gates in the east and three in the north and three in the south and three in the west. I'm going fast. You can tell. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, Jesus. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold. In, the, in your future inheritance, things aren't made of gold. The, the rulers that measure the things are made of gold. It's even better, isn't it? It's crazy. And it says this, the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. This makes no sense, by the way, logically. This doesn't work for an engineer to actually try to think of this building. But it says that it measured the rod found at 12,000 stadia, which is... 1,400 miles in length and wide in height. That's insane. As long as it is long, he measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by a man's measurement, which is what the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardinx, carnelian, chrysolite. I don't even know why I'm reading this. It's making me look bad. Beryl, topaz. Chrysophrase, jacinth, and amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, single pearl, some size oyster. Ah. The great street of the city was a pure gold, like transparent glass. I don't even know if he just like, if he's seeing diamond or something. I, I don't know what he's seeing now. It's just 
this is even better than Solomon's kingdom. <laughs> I did not see a temple in the city. Just, man, circle that in your Bible. Religion is not coming through to eternity. It doesn't make it. <laughs> Jesus comes through to eternity. I'm so glad every week that Jesus is preached here because only Jesus makes it through to eternity. If we cling to anything else, we're in danger of not making it through. Subtle things that we miss the point on. We just, they're not going to make it. Thank God he holds us faster than we hold him. But man, don't, don't get there with everything you thought. Don't get there with 99% of what you believed in just being burned up by fire. Just hanging on barely with your clothes tinged. Just what the Bible says when we, we miss the boat. If you give yourself to Jesus, man, focus on the things that make it through to eternity. The time you spend connecting with Jesus is, has an imprint in eternity. So much other stuff we focus on doesn't. And I'm 100% preaching to myself. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I love that verse because it's just all about being called by his name. You just get in his book, and the rest of the stuff kind of takes care of itself because God is transforming you. God is making you righteousness. Righteous, God is putting the robe on you that makes you ready to sit in his wedding banquet. It's just imputed. It's given to you. It's put on you. It's incredible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve them, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. <laughs> your jobs, your titles, your degrees, your alma mater, that stuff's not coming through to eternity. Has no, doesn't matter. <laughs> your family name isn't coming through. I'm not saying don't care about your family. That's a super important thing to God. His salvation plan came through family. <clears throat> but Jesus wants your family to be much bigger than you think it is. He wants you to take care of your family and the family. <clears throat> the name written on them is Jesus's, not their family name. I'm going to be super provocative and say that your local church isn't coming through. We're not going to, like, find the placard that says Hope Rock Church in front of the throne of Jesus. We're all going to wear the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm saying that knowing that the local church is super important to you overcoming in this age and being what Christ wants you to be and experiencing 
the first fruits of the inheritance that he has for you, which is fulfilled when the city come, <laughs> when the bride is transformed. But it better serve the kingdom, and it better be underneath falling in love and staying connected to Jesus. If it doesn't, it's not doing its job. It's useless. It will not come through. <laughs> there is no temple. There is no religion. Even the moon and the sun, which is as reliable a thing as we have in our creation, is not coming through. So do not worry. Do not put your hope in created things. That's like the chief sin was they, they traded the creator for created things. And they started to glorify themselves and they started glorify what was created. And they started to trust in what was created. And, and the whole thing broke under that initial <laughs> sin. And we're being reminded as we are in the future, <laughs> we're being reminded of all these useless things that we could give ourselves to and all these things that we could trust in that don't come through. Can I tell you a few other things that don't come through? <laughs> Your failures don't come through. Your sin doesn't come through. Your loneliness, your darkest days, your depression, your feeling worthless, suffering. It's just like, it's just like heaven opens with like God wiping eyes. This is now we're in joy, fullness of joy. I, I get, <laughs> I think, I, 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 you know, I was just kind of preparing this message, and you, you think, oh, man, we're all going to have to drop some stuff down because it's not worthwhile. But I feel like God wanted to especially speak to those who feel like they're falling behind in life, feel like their earthly inheritance isn't big enough, feel like their earthly savings aren't big enough, their grades aren't good enough. Their plans aren't lofty enough. They're not. They've spoiled it. And, and Jesus is, that's also getting washed away. Your inheritance is not based on you. It is based on me. And it is sure and is perfect. The words of him who declares it is trustworthy and true. It will not fail. So what do we do? I've got like five minutes to just say, so, so what then? Do we just like, just stay home like monks? And, and this is the awkwardness of the Christian life is we somehow live <laughs> with that reality. And then we go, just do, we have to still do life here. God still put us here and he wants us to enjoy life here. <laughs> so what do we do? How do we live in light of this? And I say, do not worry. And that's why it says like six, seven times in this bit in Matthew 6. I guess I'm back in Matthew 6, kind of. I mean, we're just kind of preaching on the Bible and the gospel here. But I think I'm in Matthew 6. And it, it just keeps saying, do not worry, do not worry, <laughs> do not worry. I think Matthew 6 is an attitude thing. It's more about your intention. Set your heart first. Set, set your heart <laughs> towards heaven, towards eternal life. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Rest in him. Trust in him. Follow after him. Ask him what he wants. Seek him first. Keep a thankful heart. Nothing you have isn't from him. And this is really ridiculous, right? Because you live in neighborhoods where people have the same stuff you have. God gave them their stuff too. 
and they just, they just don't give him thanks. My, one of my all-time favorite passages in Psalm 50, and it, it says, He who sacrifices a thank offerings to the Lord prepares a way for God to show him his salvation. It's like having a thankful heart. It's like, it's like paving a runway for God to land with his salvation. It's just like you're preparing a way for God to do something in your life. <clears throat> Solomon sought first the kingdom and then went a hundred directions after that and ended up just really living in the fullness of all of the glory of Solomon's kingdom. <laughs> it's almost bad when God gives us stuff. <laughs> Somehow we need to have a life where God can bless us with amazing things and we turn it all back to him. Right? Keep a thankful heart. Give yourself to what matters most. Give yourself to things that are going to make it through to eternity. Do not fight with people over stuff that will not. I'm just going to give you a really, really broad list of stuff that I think would be a practical outworking of what it looks like to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because I think when I say that, like people start thinking, oh, I guess I got to read my Bible more and pray in the morning, right? That's like we, we start to treat the Christian life like I've got to do like one or two little sacramental things. And we forget everything with the correct heart condition for his kingdom is God honoring, goes through to eternity and brings life to us. So I'm going to give you a super broad list, right? Just in case you get really narrow in your thinking. So here's just a really... Really simple list. So what, what could it look like if you were seeking first <clears throat> Jesus? Um, you'd be loving others. You'd be, want, you'd be honoring one another, honoring your leaders, honoring people in government, honoring anybody that God allows to have a leadership position. You'd be building into people, discipling, mentoring, taking people alongside. You'd be coming alongside people in prayer, in mourning, in rejoicing, in celebration. You might be studying. You might be learning. You might be learning things about Jesus. You may be reading your Bible more. You might be praying and fasting. You may be hosting and uh, generous with your house. You may be serving in different ministries. You may be serving in a local church. The local church is good if it is towards Jesus. You might be giving of your time, your talents, your treasures. You might be obeying Jesus in some area of your life where it's new to do so. You might be exercising spiritual gifts. You might be adopting children. You might be giving testimony to people, telling them about Jesus. You may be laying aside some sin because God's highlighted it in your life. You might be stepping forward in your faith because God says to go somewhere or do something or lead in something. You might be reaching the lost. You may be starting your day with a five-second prayer to say, God, this day is yours. You may be trusting him when you don't understand what's about to happen and you're nervous. You may be forgiving someone because that's what God says. These are all, basically, it's a Christian life. So I'm not asking you to do more this morning. I'm asking you to trust more. I'm asking you to reset your gaze and make sure we're walking the path that goes to eternity. My, my challenge this morning, we're, gonna, we're closing 35 minutes. It's not, all right, 35 plus the, the one minute I read the first passage. But 
<clears throat> my challenge this morning is pick a couple of new practical things and say, Jesus, because I love you, because I'm following after you, let me try, let me just do one of these. I'm going to have someone over to my home this week and just love on them. Just serve them nice food, give them something nice and just make them feel special because Jesus, you value them, you care about them. <laughs> maybe you're going to give someone a gift. Maybe you're going to pray for a prophetic word and give to pick something practical this week to just, just say, Jesus, I'm about you and your kingdom and just interrupt your daily life for a minute to do something that's just super intentional because you love Jesus. That's my challenge. Um, I guess the worship team can come. I, I should have said that. Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> and then I want to, I, I think it would be good to pray and I, I'm sure that we all have things that we've just kind of wasted time on and, and we, we need to drop and God is highlighting and, and we're going we're gonna to invite the Holy Spirit to do that. But I feel like some of you just, you need uplifted. <laughs> you need to be reminded that you are not too spoiled for God to care about and you are not too spoiled for your inheritance to still be perfect that you are precious in God's sight. Your heavenly father knows everything you need and you are precious to him and he is going to add all the other things. But I just, I feel like this morning, especially for people who just feel down, who feel flat, who just feel like, man, I just don't seem to be living in the fullness of joy. I want to tell you, your inheritance is sure, <laughs> right? Look to the hills. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord's. Can we pray? And then I'm going to kind of let you, I'll hand over to you. You can do kind of whatever. <laughs> All right. Father, we thank you that you so loved us. You so loved us. You so loved us that you gave us your own son. not to condemn us, not to punish us, but to give us life. <laughs> you set us free so that we would be free indeed, Lord. I pray, I pray, Father, that <laughs> in this room we would be free from worry, free from distraction. Our hearts would be set towards heaven, our faces set ahead, Lord, that we would follow your ways not to prove ourselves to you, Lord, but that we may enjoy what you have for us. Lord, where we've picked up false hope, where we've placed our trust in our own religion and our own earnestness and our own faithfulness, where we've put trust in earthly things or wealth or bank account balances or whatever nonsense, Father, may we right now just recommit. <laughs> we trust in you alone. And Lord, for those who are downcast, for those who are weary, for those who wonder what the heck, why is it like this? Father, right now, pray your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, <laughs> would be screaming inside them, Abba, Father, they are your children. Their future is certain. Their names are in your book of life. The enemy can't cancel a name out of the book of life. It's your book. You have authority over it. For those who are downcast, Father, cheer them. Just as Micah said earlier, he, said, <laughs> he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says 
that God gives us a Holy Spirit as a down payment, like an engagement ring that says there, for sure the lamb is marrying the bride. <laughs> it is an engagement ring. It, 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 it just, you, you experience eternity with Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes and does things in your life. And I pray for that right now, Lord, for those who are downcast. Right now, your Holy Spirit. Father, come. Father, move on people. Bring breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.